Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Andrew Krause. I co-founded EventRight with Stephen Key over 20 years ago. That's really lame doing that, isn't it? Um, couldn't, didn't have enough fingers for how many years we've been around. Um, I co-founded EventRight over 20 years ago with Stephen Key, and we've been coaching and mentoring inventors ever since for the last 20 years, and um, very, very proud of that. And during this whole COVID thing, we've been doing these live Q&As every single Wednesday. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just making it at 510 just to mess with you guys. No, it's memorable, right? I know quite often I'm doing so many things. I'm doing a lot of webinars, and I didn't have one today, but they'll end at 5, and I can't, like, just jump right on. So that's the reason why we're doing these at 510 instead of 5. Anyway, uh, um, you guys are just asked such great questions. The last session we had, you guys asked great questions. So start typing your questions into the questions box and I'll answer them. For those of you that are new, um, Stephen and myself in the InventRight company that we co-founded together, we focus on licensing. So what licensing is, is, you know, I, I, let, I say selling sometimes, um, selling your idea to a company for royalties. And they handle, they're going to invest their money, they're going to utilize their workforce, and they're going to tap into their existing distribution. So if they're in 20,000 stores, you're in 20,000 stores. So that's what licensing is. But, you know, using the word selling isn't really accurate because you're not selling your idea, you're renting or you're leasing it. And the reason why I say that is if the company doesn't perform, you get that back. Um, I don't think we've ever set up a contract for one of our students. So when we guide our students, uh, attorneys always dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but we're guiding them as to the negotiations. Um, an attorney at the very end dots the I's and crosses the T's. But one of the things we ensure is that they can never just license it and sit on it. So they have to perform. One of many performance guarantees is, um, is minimum guarantees. They have to pay you a minimum amount every quarter, every three months, Otherwise, you can take it back. And there's other performance guarantees as well. But that's the reason why I would say you're not selling your idea. You're renting or you're leasing it. If they fall flat on their face, you can always get it back. There may be something to do with it. There may not be. Maybe the product doesn't make any sense anymore. It's sold for eight years and they don't want to sell it anymore. You can take it back, but there's not much to do with it. Maybe there's plenty to do with it. It really depends. Um, so I want to thank you guys for, for coming on tonight, and I know you guys can ask great questions, so make sure to ask some of those. Um, Vic writes, uh, first-time student here, so welcome, Vic. Um, uh, Alexis has some fun emoticons there. Uh, Fred had a countdown. He counted down 25 minutes ahead of this until we got started, so thank you for the countdown, Fred. <laughs> Um, and so I'm just going to jump in and start answering these questions. We'll do a whole hour. We'll go to 10 minutes past the hour. So you guys still have 57 minutes left. Um, for any of those who have attended one of my live Q&A sessions, you know I have no problem talking. A little bit tired today, but, you know, once I start getting all these questions from you guys and I love answering them, I forget all about that. So um, the first question is from Tommy. Can you tell me what a PPA fully covers in my idea exactly? Sketch, idea, name, concept, the shape, everything, question mark. Um, so a, a PPA is a provisional patent application. For those of you that don't know that, um, you can actually file one as a micro entity. So if you're making under a, I forget what the dollar amount is. I think uh, it's under 150, 120K annual household income. Then you can file as a micro entity. If not, you've got to pay twice that, which is 140. And it allows you to say patent pending for an entire year while you fish off the pier and see if there's any interest in your idea. So now what the beautiful thing of PPA is it can be written in common English. So if you ever looked at a patent, you're like, what the hell am I reading? And for especially when you're new to it, because it looks like some foreign language and it kind of is. But a provisional patent can be written by anybody. It can be written in common English. There's no formal requirements. You could literally draw on a piece of paper with a crayon and send it in, and they would accept it. Um, now, with that said, you still want to do a good job so that somebody skilled in the art could look at it and go, oh, yeah, maybe I, I would know what to do here. Okay. So, um, I, you know, Tommy, that's a really big question. What does a patent cover? Um, does it cover a concept? 
And for and if, for all you patent geeks out there, I'm not going to go into great de detail here. I'm going to make it pretty simple. Tommy, it covers the the functionality or utility. So and of the product. And so if it has a hinge over here, and it has this functionality, it has some new unique component that gives you new functionality, then you can cover that with the provisional patent. So patents are, you know, people get really obsessed about asking questions about that, but it gets really boring really quick. Um, so, but you can protect, um, this is what I'll say, Tommy, I'll explain it, I've explained it like this before. You're not protecting your concept or your idea. You, this is the way I like to explain it in non-legal terms. You're protecting pieces of it that are unique. Quite often, a lot of times your invention, a lot of it's in the public domain. There's component one, component two, component three, and that's all been done before. But what you're really protecting is component four, that is the hinge right on the right side. It does just like does this, and it makes it easier to do this or that. Okay? So you're protecting pieces of it that are unique so that only you or your potential licensee, the company, can can create a product with those unique aspects that have that, that specific functionality or utility. So, um, let's see, uh, the original Barbex says, hi, Andrew and Madeline. Actually, it's Madeline's not on tonight. It's John. So thank you, John, for, for being on. Um, hey, Andrew, it's Leon. I had a LinkedIn connection ask me two important questions. He asked if I had an NDA and an attorney. How relevant are these in contacting marketing managers? Uh, not very relevant. So, um, you know, one of the things that I think I've talked about before on these live Q&A sessions is when you have a coach, they can give you an idea of like, oh, that's really normal. That's going to happen to you all the time. Here's how you handle it. And also, like, that's weird. And so um, you, you do too much. That's your handle. What that's really weird. Either they're weird or you did something weird. My guess it was you. My guess it was you and the way you reached out in a certain way. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that. But to have a company saying, if you had an NDA and an attorney, um, an attorney, that's really weird. Um, our students don't get asked, do you have an attorney? They, they really don't care. Um, so my guess is that you didn't approach things right there on LinkedIn. And now I wouldn't worry about it and just say, you know, I. so you wrote, how relevant are these in contacting marketing managers? Not at all. Um, so if you filed a provisional patent, you say, yes, I've filed a provisional patent application. Don't even answer the attorney question. You know, what do they think that you're supposed to be like walking alongside an attorney or attorneys looking over your shoulder while you're reaching out to them on LinkedIn? You know, um, so what you want to do on LinkedIn, the really basic basics of it, is ask them permission to send your sell sheet or your video um, to ramble or give verbal descriptions or written descriptions of your invention is just going to make you come off like a wacky inventor. You just don't want to do it. You got to create a marketing piece that you're going to show them that they would show their customer. So when you're reaching out, you're just asking permission to send that marketing piece. How it got all wrapped up in that asking them if you have an NDA and attorney, I don't know. And just say, filed a, if you filed a provisional patent, file a provisional patent. I'm, I'm okay with, with uh, I don't need an NDA. Now, everything that I share tonight is not legal advice. So, um, you know, some people, you need to reach out to an attorney for legal advice, okay? But a lot of our students, they, they file a provisional patent application. If you expect every single company you approach to sign your non-disclosure agreement, first of all, you're... You're mis you you are incorrect if you think that's some sort of iron clad Iron Man uh, Superman Kryptonite protection because that an NDA is not some attorneys most of which who have never licensed anything will tell you ask every company to sign your NDA and I tell you right now you're going to feel like you're beating your head up against a brick wall our students for the most part we leave the decision up to them of course they file a provisional patent application. And, uh, you know, they don't know what you protected or haven't protected in that. It's a great, great tool. So um, you did something wrong. You did too much. Uh, that's the, their handle. 
if, if they're asking you, do you have an NDA and an attorney? It was the way you approached them. It was probably very awkward. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, I would always file a provisional patent before you approach companies, though. So if you haven't done that, um, you should do that. Uh, uh, original Barback. Hi, Andrew. Dennis here. I have interest from a company who only accepts brands, not individual inventions. I don't know what that means. Brands, not individual inventions. If I have several new products in the same genre, should I pitch it as a brand to them? Uh, I think you're, again, I, this is a different person, but I think, again, I think you're misunderstanding. I really, um, I've never seen that. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've seen 65 countries. And I remember somebody say, oh, the company only accepts brands, not inventions. So, again, you're doing something wrong there. Um, I don't know what they mean by that. I don't know if they only do brand licensing. I, I just don't have enough information. You can put something in the chat, and I'm going to keep going down in order if I can, and, um, and maybe I'll come back to you on that. Uh, hello, this is from King Littlejohn. Hi, Andrew. Uh, and by the way, you guys, if you want to include your first name, not just your handle, say, hey, this is Bob or this is Sally or whatever, you're welcome to do that because some of these <laughs> handles are a little funny. Uh, hello, Andrew the Great. Andrew the Great. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> making a fitness glove. Great. When my seamstress is finishing making it, should I get a patent on it or just start contacting um, or different? What's my next move? So, you know, that's fantastic. So what's great about some products is that you can find a seamstress or somebody to sew it for you quite often. So that's fantastic. Another great thing about sewn products is it's easy for a company to get up and running with a sewn product because they don't need to buy an injection mold. There's, they're just, they're just going to send it over to Asia probably, and it's going to get hand cut and sewn. Maybe there's a die cut. They're cheap. They just come down and cut the fabric, and then individuals sew, sew it. So there's not a lot of upfront tooling costs so it's it's easier for a company to say yes to those sewn products i'm not saying you guys should all do sewn products most products aren't sewn but that is a big advantage so what i would recommend uh king little john is is to go ahead and file a provisional patent now you've got a, a, a nice uh fitness glove so you need marketing materials so you're not just going to take a picture of it and email it to some you got to show them how they're going to market it a video a sell sheet or a sell sheet. And then before you uh, approach companies that file a provisional patent application, we have software on our site called Smart IP that can help you do that too. I think it's, just, it's only like 99 bucks and then the filing fee um, with the patent office is 70 bucks or you can do it on your own. Um, and those are just some of your basic steps. File a provisional and do your marketing materials. And then you're going to need to make your list of companies to reach out to. Um, usually when I see... People doing that on their own, not with one of our coaches, their list is, is by and large almost always really anemic compared to what it could be. You'll have like three or four companies and you should have 20 or 30. So make sure it's a big list. Make sure it's the right companies too. But those are some of the basics. Um, let's see. Fred, next week could both you and Steven do it. Um, yeah, maybe Steven can get on as well you know with the i have to look into how the youtube software works where it's easy just with the webcam doing one person but you have to get really fancy with it because he's in a different location i'm in henderson nevada he's in lake tahoe nevada and you have to get fancy with it to do two at the same time and he's like andrew you're doing great just keep doing what you're doing man so you know he's i think he was recording some youtube videos uh just a couple hours ago too so probably not Anytime soon, um, you know, but I think we could, we could try to do it live. We do videos together, but we haven't, we haven't done one of these Q&As live together. Um, do, do, do. Harry says, do you have any tips on how to cold call companies? Again, the basics are just asking permission. You call them up and you, you ask permission to send your sell sheet. For the most part, you want to get a hold of the marketing manager that is in charge of whatever kind of brands you the marketing manager that handles your barbecue accessories or handles your gardening products. Um, and then you can also try to get a hold of sales and then you're just trying to get permission. Um, and you can do that if you get a hold of them on the phone. Um, 
or you can get the either email from the gatekeeper if they give it to you. Um, leaving a long rambling voicemail is a really bad idea. You know, maybe get the extension, keep calling back. A lot of people just don't pick up their phones these days. I get that. So whether you're asking permission via email or via the phone, um, you're asking permission. You're not submitting um, sell sheets unsolicited. Don't, don't, don't do that. Um, but for the most part, ask for the market manager. They're going to quite often, one of our coaches um, did a video and shared it with all our students. And you could see on the video that quite often the company, the individual picking up the phone is a little confused. And this coach wasn't remotely phased by it. He's just like, just kind of waited for them to talk. And then he's like, oh, well, what about this or that? So ex expect them, a percentage of the gatekeepers, to be somewhat confused, and you guide them as to where you want to go. So that's the, my best, best basic advice. Um, uh, Reckless RC Cars is their handle. Does your boot camp help reach out to government if it is – if it, it's a product the government will buy, such as getting a grant from them to start production. Not at all, uh, but there is a way that you can go um, that direction, and you don't need a grant, and it's a lot better than a grant. So, uh, Reckless, if, if, if you get a grant, you got to start your own company. If you've got a business, if you've got a full-time job, people way underestimate um, what it takes to run a business. All they need is the money. I'll just go on Kickstarter. I'll go here. I'll go there. And I just need the money. And then everything's going to fall into place. And that's so not true. So reckless, I think you need to ask yourself, are you wired up to run a company or do you just love your ideas so much that that's what you want to do? Do you have any experience there? Who's going to lend you that money? So here's your other way to go. If you've got a product that's for the government, you're not going to license to the government or even approach the government. You're going to approach the government contractors that sell to those same government agencies. So those are companies that are contracted with the government and currently selling product to the government for various uses, and you license to them. So you talked about how can I get a grant, you know, to, to start with production for a product for the government. Well, all you do is get the money there, and if you know the background, they're probably not going to give you the money, to be honest with you. But if you have a good idea and you find the company that sells products, the contractor that sells products to the government, you'll be getting everything in one place. You'll get the money because they're going to invest their money in the project. They're going to use their workforce. It's probably way more experienced. I don't know your experience, but way more experienced in that area than you probably. And they already have all the relationships with the government agencies. So with licensing, you get everything in one place, the money, the workforce, and the existing distribution. They're going to do all that work. So that's the way that we would guide an admit rights student to do that and to sell the product to the government. So hopefully that was pretty succinct. That was better than I normally do. I didn't ramble too much on that. Um, so uh, Mikhail, hey, Andrew, is it advisable to send multiple ideas, sell sheets to a company in a single email? Absolutely not advisable. Um, only advisable on product number one. So, you know, your first product is your ability, is your opportunity to get into a company. And they'll say whether or not they like it. doesn't matter if they don't like it. You say, or they're not interested. You say, oh, hey, you're open to more? And then they say yes. And you say, hey, when I send you more, can I send multiple or just one at a time? And they're like, oh, just send me whatever you got. Then it would be appropriate to send multiple. But to when you don't know the company yet and they haven't said no to the first one, then just send one. When they reject and say no to the first one, which is most of what you're going to get, you only need to license the one. So most of the time they're going to say no. Um, then ask them if you can send multiple, okay? But always make sure that you've looked at their product line. Don't go, well, they sell gardening products, so I'll just throw anything at them. But you look at their product line, you're like, well, it might be a right match for these two products, but for this one, that's kind of a stretch. I, I don't think it's the right match for, their, for them because then they'll quickly say, you know, no, stop sending me stuff. Like, why are you sending me a bicycle product? We do gardening accessories. Believe it or not, I've talked to many companies that have inventors just, you know, we've, we've at InventRight, we've done a newsletter once or twice where we said, hey, this company is open to ideas. We don't do that anymore to the public because then they just get 
all this junk that's, and it's like, wow, did this inventor even look at our product line? They're sending me a bicycle idea. And we do gag novelty gifts. Like what the hell? Well, they were open to ideas. Don't be that inventor. That's not the way you establish a relationship with a company. You send them stuff that looks like it could somewhat be a right match for their product line. Bother to look at their product line. So, Mikhail, if you have multiple um, sell sheets and multiple products, great. But make sure it's right for their product line. And don't send them one to make the relationship. And them saying no to your first invention, you've made a relationship now. And then ask if you can send more. Okay. Um, let's see. Roger says, should I do drawings for every way my product can be made or set up or just do one drawing that shows the main idea of said product in the PPA? Um, so you don't, you don't have to do drawings at all in a PPA, um, but drawings are tremendously beneficial. If you forgot to mention something with words, you could always go back and say, well, no, that drawing number two, you can see it's there. Now, you can get really crazy with this. You can create, you know, 50 drawings don't don't do that you know and and don't throw versions that are only half as good throw your version and then maybe another version that's 70 percent as good 80 percent as good just as good but not the version you're pitching but don't throw don't spend time doing drawings on a version that's not even competition for what you're doing um so you know but having a few different angles and things like that can be beneficial there are no formal requirements for ppas so you can do whatever you want, you know, um, you know, you could, it could be terrible drawings, but really when it, if a company asks to see your PPA and it looks like the drawings were done by a kindergartner, that's not good. So you, I mean, you can go on some of these freelance graphic design sites or we can do it for you. And, you know, you can get line drawings very done very, very cheaply. So don't think you need to spend it. And if you, if you're capable of doing them yourselves, that's great. And one trick for doing line drawings is, you can have some sort of picture. Let's say it's something similar to your product and you can um, put it on a glass table, shine a very bright like lamp underneath through it, take a piece of paper and actually like sketch it, draw the outline and then add your hinge. That's the only change to it. So even if you're not very good at drawing, sometimes you can do drawings by using a light board, which is could be a glass table with a light underneath it putting the picture of something similar, you print it from the internet, putting another drawing on top of it. Of course, you can do this online as well. There's some programs that can trace um, the product and then you could add something to it. Um, but you, quite often you can get um, line drawings done very affordably they, and they will kind of look like patent drawings. And, but there are no formal requirements for PPAs. They don't have to be patent drawings. Patent drawings have to be done in a very particular way. Um, you guys are not going to be doing patent drawings unless that's what you do for a profession. But you can do uh, line drawings your, yourself, or you can find somebody to do them, and they're not expensive. Um, uh, Takir, uh, is there any way to sell the patent altogether? My product was prototype tested, and I'm selling a batch uh, on e-com websites with good success how can i leverage these um no you 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 almost never want to sell the panel they'll they'll never pay you what it's worth you're much better licensing it they pay you royalties quarterly as they make money you make money even really large large multinationals they don't want to pay you up front and i don't blame them a little bit of money to help you pay for the patent or something like that that's normal but do not ask for a bunch of money. Don't sell your idea. That's crap. Um, there are some instances where it makes sense. And I don't think this appeals to you to here because you're selling it a little bit here and there in small batches. But if, if you were in 10,000 stores and you had inventory and you had all these relationships, you had all the manufacturing, yes, then you're selling your company along with a licensing deal where you get royalties every time they sell a unit. But most of our students just license a product. They just have a duct tape prototype or a virtual prototype or something better. Um, or they've been manufacturing in small batches like yourself. And in that case, you want to make sure you have the right company. You will never get any decent amount of money saying, give it all to me up front. Biggest rookie move you can make. 
don't don't even don't even bring it up. It gets them going down the wrong path. If for those of you that are new, you know, don't even bring it up. I'm just say I'll say it three times. Do not bring it up. I'm trying to sell it. You say, what do you what do you want? And they say, well, I'm looking for a reasonable royalty per unit. So when you make money, I make money. Of course. So again, I'm looking for a re- I'm looking to license this product to you. I'm looking for a reasonable royalty per unit. So when you make money, I make a small royalty. Of course, their knee-jerk reaction is going to be, well, what would that be? And you, you say, well, it all depends on what you're going to do with the product. Um, you know, that's something that we can discuss a little bit down the road as I understand what you're going to do with the product. And I'd be happy to send you a term sheet at, at, at that point. But at least now they know you're not a wacky inventor, which it is wacky. Would say, oh, I want a quarter million up front. I want a hundred grand up front. That's wacky and better territory, straight up. And I understand if some of you are like, I didn't know that, Andrew. Well, now you do. So that's that's why we're doing these to educate you. Um, so uh, you're also saying to Kira, saying, how can I leverage this? That's fantastic. You know, you can leverage it with testimonials from people that have bought it. You can say, you know, and you know. If they say, well, where is it selling? Well, here, here, and here. And they're probably not going to be tremendously impressed with where you have it placed because they have mind-numbingly huge distribution compared to you. You know, I've just been testing it. That's what you say. I've been testing it. The feedback's been amazing. Okay? So they're not making any assumptions like, oh, how come he's not selling it big time? Well, it's because that's not your thing. You don't have that incredible distribution. That's why I'm looking to license this to you. Um, Let's see. Underdog says, at King, you need to get a PPA. Yes, I would agree. It's a good idea. Um, Will says, hi, Andrew. I'm working with an engineer on a prototype. He wants equity rather than cash. That's not a bad thing. Um, engineers can be very expensive, so he wants to get a piece of your royalties. I don't see as that as all bad. I want to keep as much equity as possible. What percentage should I be willing to give up without sounding rude? Um, well, first off, he's not a very smart engineer if he doesn't interview you about your skills. So if I were him, I would say, well, what do you do with it? And you're like, well, I'm going to license it. And he's like, have you done that before? Do you know how to do that? You know, and that's what he would say if he's smart. Now, so if, he's, if you're going to give him equity or a percentage of your royalties, you need to say, look, well, I, I license products and I'm going to license this to a big company and we're going to get a royalty. You got to help him be real about it. So he might go, well, I want half the profits. And it's like, that's not going to work. You need to explain to him that for a consumer product, a 5% royalty is quite often and quite uh, quite common. And quite often the company might only have a 20% profit margin. So for you to get five of that 20% is very generous. And then you tell him that you're going to give him a percentage of whatever royalty you can negotiate. Now, when you're working with somebody on, on I call it on the come like that, you got to you, you really got to make sure they understand licensing. And so, Will, if you don't understand licensing, how are you going to explain it to them? So you got to explain it to them, and you want to make sure that they're real about it, that they don't think like, well, I want half the money, half the profits from the company or something like that, because for you to get half of all the profits just as a normal royalty is not realistic to begin with in most cases. So you got to make sure they're real. You got to make sure he knows what's, and then you got to, then you're going to have to get an attorney to write that up, which is kind of a pain, which costs you some money too, right? To write that up. So what percentage you should be willing to give up? God, it would vary tremendously. Maybe he was just doing five hours of consulting to let you know if it's viable. So you don't look like an idiot when you're approaching companies and you're like, well, I'll consult some engineers. They say it's doable, you know, or does this guy spend 80 hours or 100 hours or 200 hours developing some complex prototype. So there's no way I could ever answer that, Will. You have to figure out how much how much is he contributing to it. Um, now, you can just pay him, too. Engineers are very expensive. So that's a, that would be a risk as well. That's really up to you. Um, Spunky Monkey says, <laughs> since trade shows are being – Cancel for 2020. Do you know if companies are doing virtual meetings with buyers? Well, what do you think the process will be to meet with buyers? So this is not a problem for our InventRight students at all. Our students have been approaching people uh, via the phone and via LinkedIn for forever. 
Um, and it was, it wasn't that long ago. We were telling people, you know, you don't, and we still believe you don't need to go to trade shows at all to license your products. Is it nice? Can you get a lot done in a day and meet a lot of companies? Yeah, you can. But you have to realize the trade show, they're there to sell, not to buy. So they paid a lot of money for the booth and the buyers for retailers are walking around. Okay. And for you to go there and take up a bunch of their time when there's some buyers right behind you, not a good idea. So for the most part, you're just trying to make the context, keep it quick. If the booth is empty and they're okay with you showing something great, but most part you're getting their card. Now you'll give them your card. But they're going to lose it. Never ever expect them to get back to you. You want to get their card, but you've done things like been in the booth, verified, you know, you talk to some sales guy and he's like, Oh, well, you know, that's Mark. He's our marketing manager. He's right over there. And Mark's like, Hey, and you're like, Hey Mark, do you license products? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you just send it to me. I'm cool with that. And you get his card and you leave the booth. That's how it's going to go. Most of the time, you're not gonna be like whipping it out and then talking for 30 minutes because they're there. They paid a lot of money for this booth that reeks of rookie inventor. Now, sometimes they're like, Hey, show me what you got. And you're like, got it on your iPad or what have you. But, um, you know, most of the time you're just getting their card. So uh, trade shows are great, but it's absolutely not necessary. The vast majority of our students never go to a single trade show ever. And so, you know, and really they don't have time for virtual meetings. I mean, a virtual meeting. Sorry. So it's my Siri on there. So uh, a virtual meeting is a phone call. That's a virtual meeting. You, you garnered their interest because you dropped them a sell sheet on LinkedIn or via email or you talked on the phone. They said yes and then on over and now showing some interest and now you're asking to get them on a phone call. Um, most of our students are doing phone calls. They're, it's not too common that people are doing Zoom or Skype on that first call, later call maybe. Um, so most of the time your virtual meeting will be a phone call. Um, uh, okay. John says, hi, Andrew, I'm having a software app product being developed. Should I license it or fill out a PPA? Well, those two things aren't related. Um, so what you should say, John, the way you ask, the, should ask the question is, should I license it or should I venture it and sell it myself? That's the question most people ask. So, but if you're going to license it for royalties, yes, you should always file a provisional patent application. Absolutely. Um, apps are a little bit, apps and software are a little bit harder to, to work on. Now, if you're actually developing it, that could be quite costly to develop an app. And it can take a lot more time. Pretty much any app developer, you should rely on them it costing two, three, four times whatever they're giving you. And it to take four, five, six, eight, ten times as long as they say it will take, especially if they're overseas. So you're in for a world of pain probably, unless you found a good developer. Um, the, some of them in the United States are better. I talked to this one gentleman, very experienced business guy. He just went through this incredibly painful experience with an overseas app developer. He moved to the U.S., and it was insanely expensive too. Now, some apps are really simple. But if you develop it, can you license an app just like you can a physical product? Yes. But they expect you to develop it more. And um, apps are, are going to be harder to license, um, definitely. But you can license an app, and you should file a PPA, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Anthony says, if you have a product and is made of, for example, pipes and landscape fabric, should I license it to a landscape fabric company, a pipe company, or something else? So I'll simplify this for you, Anthony. Um, your end product, whatever you've created, figure out what kinds of retailers, or if it's a commercial product, industrial supply, catalogs, etc., websites, would carry that product. Where is it going to live? So if it's in Walmart, is it in the gardening aisle? Is it in the stationary aisle? And and where is it going to live? So you said, who would I license to? So you're going to license to companies that are making similar types of products in that same aisle in the store. If it's a commercial industrial product in that same part of the catalog. 
you know, with similar types of products. So if it's landscape, so you're saying, let's say it's probably not your product, but if it has pipes and landscape fabric, I don't really care what it's made out of. Um, it's somewhat relevant, but um, what's the what's the functionality utility? So for instance, if landscape fabric has, that's where you put it down and you put the dirt over top of it so weeds don't grow up. Let's say um, it's preventing weeds from going up through the ground. Um, well, if it has some pipes and things like it wouldn't normally have, you know, you, you could call a landscape fabric company and they're, but here's the thing. You want them to have distribution in the stores where you already are. That's what you want. You want distribution in the stores where you already are and making similar products with similar benefits in the same area. So that's, that's the answer to your question. Uh, let's see. Uh, Matt says, hey, Andrew, I have several ideas to submit to Hasbro. I submitted one already. Should I wait until I get word back from the first one, and do I need to prototype for each idea? Um, he said, should I wait until I get word back from the first one? Oh, to submit more? No, you know, with toy companies, they, and when you were using some sort of portal, I think it's okay to submit more than one. I wouldn't hesitate to submit another one, Matt. That's perfectly fine. But here's the deal. Where's your other list? Where's your complete list of companies? Do you have a list of 5, 10, 15, 20 companies? If you don't, you're just submitting to Hasbro, you're not doing it right. So, and if you really research all the potential licensees and you're like, Hasbro is the only company that can license this, you probably should have never worked on it. That's my thought. So, but my guess is, Matt, definitely without a doubt, there's going to be other companies that you could license that to as well. But with a big, toy companies need so many ideas before they pick one. So I wouldn't hesitate to submit through their portal um, a second or a third product in that case. I think it would be fun. Um, let's see. Uh, Mikhail, thanks, Andrew, for answering my first question. If you have a product that uses Disney characters, can I license it to Disney, or do I have to find a company that makes products for them? So very good point. So both. Um, most of the time, it's going to be a Disney licensee. Most Disney products are not made by Disney. So a company is making, for example, let's just keep it super simple, coffee mugs, okay? And so you're in the business of making coffee mugs, and you sell in all sorts of retailers, and you have all different characters, different sayings. Maybe you just have some funny sayings that you as a coffee cup company put on there, you know, super dad, super mom, whatever. And you're like, you know, I want to start selling cars and Mickey Mouse and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or uh, my daughter's seven. So Descendants, right? That's keeping me more current. She's really into Descendants. That's a big show right now or series. Um, and so let's say you want descendants on these coffee mugs. Well, you'd go to Disney and you'd say, look, I, I'm a coffee cup manufacturer and I would like to put that on there. And you need to comply with their style sheet and they'll approve or not approve you. They will only do that brand licensing deal, giving you permission to put um, descendants on your coffee mug if you've been in business at least a couple years. Now, this is not for you guys. This is the companies you're going to license to, so don't worry about this. So that's called brand licensing. So you're making products, not you guys, but you're manufacturing products. You go to these big brands, Disney, Food Network, whoever, and you say, um, Jeep does a lot of this. You say, hey, I want to put Jeep on the coffee mug, a coffee mug. And they go, well, you know, we've already licensed to a coffee cup company, so sorry. Or, okay, and you're going to pay them a royalty, put Jeep on these coffee mugs. Now, here's what you do if you're licensing. You, you don't license the Disney for the most part because they don't make most of their own products. You license the coffee cup company that has the Disney brand on it. So you find companies that are selling those brands, and most of the time they're not Disney. Now, you can also go direct to Disney, too. They make some of their own products as well. And so that's called brand licensing. So what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to pay, let's say you have a coffee cup innovation, right? You've got this unique handle on a coffee cup. Well, they're going to need to pay Disney for the Descendants brand to put the Descendants characters on the coffee mug, and they'll need to also pay you for your unique handle that's on the coffee mug, okay? So when you want to do the companies, um, 
it looks like it's saying it's reconnecting. So hopefully, sorry guys, I don't know if you lost me there at all, but um, so so they're going to have to pay a royalty to you and to that big company they're licensing the brand from. So you usually you're going to get a slightly lower royalty, but you're okay with that because they're going to sell a lot more units because it's a well-known brand. Um, so that was a very detailed answer. Very good question to kill. Um, okay. Israel. Oh yeah. I remember you Israel. It was student two years ago. Best program ever. Thank you. And I'm still developing products and learning new things. Um, keep up the great work. Thank you, Israel. Appreciate that. Um, Zam says, if a company like OXO has an online submission form, would you still contact the company, the Invent Right Way, to give a human voice to the online submission? Um, yeah, you know, if they have an online submission form, I would just try to submit <clears throat> online and keep yourself busy by approaching other companies. Um, but if you also want to reach out, but I would wait at least, you know, look what it says. If it says on the form, we'll get back to you in two weeks, we'll give them two weeks, you know. Um, but if they're not getting back to you, then you might submit. And you could even say, look, I, I, I submitted. You can look in the portal or I can just send it to you now, you know. So, in other words, if you approach a marketing manager, you can say, well, I submit, sent through the portal, but I haven't heard back. Would it be okay to send it to you as well? There's nothing wrong with that as long as you're polite. You always ask permission to send it, you know. But I, at the beginning, I would just see if the portal works and keep yourself busy by approaching other other companies. And if you eventually can make a relationship with somebody in the company because they started talking with you, beautiful. That's great. Then maybe you just go direct and don't go through the portal anymore, without a doubt. Um, uh, when do you feel it's necessary to develop a physical product from scratch? Um, when a company asks for it, but sometimes up front. So let's say, let's say you look at similar products and you're like, I'm like 70, 80% sure these companies can do this. Well, I make a virtual prototype, sell the benefits in a marketing piece. And if they really put the screws to you and go, well, I don't know, I think we can make this and then, you know, have discussions. And quite often you can get them to figure out, uh, get some quotes, figure out if it could be done. But they might put it back on you, but then it's back on you. And at least you went fishing and you know if you got some interest. And now maybe you need a physical product because they don't want to. A lot of times they'll be willing to do that or have an, or you can give them enough information to go get some quotes overseas or in the U.S. to get it made. Um, so, you know, but sometimes you're like, I don't know if this can be done. And you need to, like, buy something at the store. Let's say it's a dog toy and you kind of duct tape something on it and it's good enough because it's pretty tough. Duct tape's pretty tough and your dog plays with it and you throw it and you're satisfied with the way it works. Now, this isn't what the physical product, the final product's going to look like, but you're like, this is this is kind of working and maybe you make something because you needed to play with it and it's really crude. So you might make a physical product then as well up front. But realize this is what Stephen and I have been saying for 20 years is you're not selling your patent you're not selling your prototype. You're selling the benefit of the product. So the marketing piece is going to sell the benefit of the product in a, in a sell sheet or a video sell sheet. That's going to do the selling for you. So that's what you're really selling is the benefit. Don't think that companies, don't ever think that companies will get mad at you or get short at you if you don't have a prototype. And if, if you later find out they're picky about that, at least you got some interest. You can go out and spend five grand on a prototype, not knowing if there's any interest. That's nuts. You know, and so we we reduce the risk with the InventRight 10 step system. So you always have the bandwidth to move on to your next project. People are so excited about their product. They'll throw tons of money, patents and prototypes. And then their spouse won't let them move on to the second product because they blew 15, 20 K. And there's no need for that. And not only that, it's, it's not even about saving money. It's just not necessary most of the time. So but. Does is it sometimes necessary to build a physical product? Of course it is. And would it be helpful? Yes. And so some people have really mad skills to do that. And some people don't. Some people are somewhere in between, build something crude, maybe build nothing at all. It varies tremendously. Our, our coaches help our students out with that. On what, what do you need? Oh, you can get away with just a virtual prototype on this. You're like, like, okay, that's, but, but that and that, I don't, you know, can we, duct tape something together and play with it because I don't know you know and they'll, they'll kind of 
you know, and it really depends on the product. Um, but a huge percentage of the time, you'd be amazed what you can get away with. Um, and and I, I like to use that word get away with because I think a lot of you really feel like I need all this stuff that you don't need. Um, uh, Jeff says, if I use a, a Bluetooth interface, does the app have its own PPA or should it be included in the original? No, it, it would just, you just throw any Bluetooth functionality in the same PPA. It doesn't need its separate PPA, Jeff, definitely not. Good question, though. Um, oh, okay, Will's getting back to us on this engineer that wants a piece of the royalties, which, Will, I don't think is a bad thing because, like I said, engineers can get really expensive. So you wrote, the engineer has designed many products that are in retail and is very knowledgeable in the field. Oh, that's great. Um, the equity would come from the complete design of the prototype as well as hours put in. Well, going back to what we were just saying, Will, the question is, do you need all that? I know you get excited about this engineer making a prototype, but could you just go fishing off the pier, see if there's interest, not utilize this engineer, and then when you get interest, know you got him waiting in the wings and you give a percentage then. That would be another way of thinking about it. Um, that he's done are 50-50 with the inventor, doesn't put anything in and when the inventor doesn't put anything in, um, in 4060 where it's shared cost, however, again, I believe in the product and don't want to give up much equity. So if you, if you know, here's the thing, Will, why do you need the engineer? So if you need the engineer because you need to prove it can be done, okay. But if you're fairly competent it can be done and you just can't do it, but you know a big company can do it, why are you dicking with it at all? That's my question. And you, you seem to really not want to give up the equity, which I don't blame you. That giving up half of it's a lot. Um, you know, uh, see if you could just sell the benefits of the marketing piece. Okay. Um, let's see. 73 says duct tape and epoxy prototypes. There you go. You can do a lot with epoxy and duct tape, can't you? And you can do a lot to Frankenstein or cannibalize existing products. Um, and you know, our students range from no prototyping skills to mad prototyping skills. So that's why I don't like to give black and white answers, but you know, sometimes we'll get an industrial designer. Industrial designers are like product artists. They went to school to learn how to design and create products. And, and, but ironically, um, they're so taught in school to be so anal retentive and they just cannot show something rough. You know, they can't just do a marketing piece. They're like, well, I want to mess around with this prototype. And the time they take to mess around with that prototype, they could have worked on five products with just marketing pieces to see if there's interest. And so one of the downsides I find with some engineers as well is you get obsessed with the engineering or the industrial designers obsessed with the prototyping, and it wasn't even necessary to do it. You know, okay, you've got the skills, you know, you got it. They show interest, you can do it. But so for some engineers and industrial designers, it's another excuse just to delay not doing the things you're comfortable with, which is creating the marketing piece, making your list of companies, filing your PPA and reaching out to companies, reaching out to companies being the part people are most uncomfortable with. So it's just another excuse to play around with prototypes forever. And if you have fun doing that, I'm not critical of that, but it's, it's you know, it's not necessary a lot of the time not all the time so this is not always one thing or another um, okay so uh, sin image productions I created dog flags I have 1,000 units produced website done video ads at this point should I sell online license or sell the whole brand um, well you know, I mean, if you if you mean by sell the whole brand, do just say, oh, can you buy the whole thing? You know, you 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 haven't you have no distribution. So, like I said, asking for earlier at the beginning of the call, asking for upfront money, best way to kill the deal, because so you're you're not really in production. You know, you're just getting started, so you don't have distribution. You don't have you don't have that all yet. So you want to get royalties as you go. So you know. You're, but you're ready. You got a video ads. You got a website done. Now, I think what you're going to find is 
You've got a website that nobody visits. Advertising is incredibly expensive. Now, if you're really smart about it, you know how to utilize Facebook ads or other types of ads. Um, there's people that are very clever, but if you don't have experience with that, you're going to find it can be a massive money pit. Um, but if you're really good at that, you might want to do that. So what I would say is you get a thousand units produced. If the product is super, super niche, you know, you might be better just continuing and make it yourself. You know, you know, I know you say you have a thousand units produced, but let's say you're only going to sell 2000 units a year. Let's say a big company, a company could only sell 2000 units a year. You know, and if you really want to run your own business, you're better off continuing to make it yourself. With licensing, you can have delusions of grandeur and you're not delusional because these big companies could sell 40,000 units a year, 200,000 units a year. It depends on the company and the product, right? And so you're tapping into this massive distribution channel that they've created with the 50 or 100 products or whatever they have and all their money and all their workforce. Not only can they get it into retailers, but they can keep it there. So what you have, uh, Sin Image Productions, is, is a tough road ahead, very tough road ahead. And so you're, you're set up to make it and sell it yourself. And who am I to say not to do that? What I would do is you've got a thousand units produced, start to sell it. But I would simultaneously also reach out to some big companies to try to license it as well. And maybe while you sell it, because you already got a thousand units, website, video ads, maybe you start to get some testimonials and stuff. Um, and also think about what I really want to do. And after doing it for a while, I talked to a lot of mentors. They're like, I am just so tired of this website. Nobody visits and dumping all my money into this. And it's just a, and then I talked to rare other inventors that are like, they really enjoy it. And I've talked to ones that really enjoy it, but they're like, I know this could be so much bigger with the, with licensing it to a big company. So I'm not one to say, don't do that. Um, I would say, go ahead and do them simultaneously. You're already kind of up and running. You got a thousand units produced. So I would do them both simultaneously to figure out which one you like. You know, it's not, it shouldn't be just what's right for your product. It should be what's right for you too, you know. Um, sometimes people will sacrifice themselves and they'll get into divorces and they'll, they'll, they'll you know, neglect their family and all sorts of things for their product. And, and you got you to gotta figure out what's right for you personally as well. Um, see, we have seven minutes left here. Uh, uh, Eddie says, Hey, Andrew, the company I licensed to may get an order from Costco. Uh, Costco, it will take a few months to fill any order, fill order any ideas how Costco pays after the order is received. So, you know, don't, don't bug if they get the order. Let's see. I may get an order from Costco. So, don't bug them about it. So you know how here's, it doesn't matter. So here's how we, if you did a licensing deal, like our students do, you get paid your royalties quarterly every three months. Okay. So it doesn't matter. You're going to get paid after they get paid. So do not bug your licensee about that. Oh, when do you get paid? Is it 90 days or 30? Don't do that. Okay. Um, you're going to get paid quarterly. So, you know, and so if the product gets in the stores, it's got to be in the stores for three months. And then after that, you're going to get paid for any product that was sold during that three months. Okay. And that's what your contract's going to say. I guess in some weird scenario, if Costco takes a really long time to pay, I don't think that would happen with some other retailers. You might actually get paid before them because you're getting, if you're getting quarter, paid royalties quarterly, that might actually happen. Um, never really thought about it that way, but um, at Costco, they'll probably be paying sooner. So um, it's not, uh, oh, order is filled. Okay. And Mikhail says, I'm an industrial designer. I know, you know, I talk to industrial designers and they don't mind me saying that uh, most of the time. They're like, yeah, you know, some of our fellow classmates, they can be a little, industrial designers can be um, a little uh, arrogant. Um, and it's not their fault. It's what they were taught in school. And the professors in school don't know anything about venturing, don't know anything about licensing. And so, but when people come on board with us, 
we help make them very realistic about the business side. And adult designers like, should be inventors on steroids, but a lot of them, they, they don't want to do the business side of things. And then they just keep working that day job. They complain about how they're just inventing for other people. They want to invent their own stuff. And um, so, but I think that a level-headed industrial designer that's not arrogant and realizes you don't need to make a prototype for every little thing you come up with and you don't need to be so thorough and learns our 10 steps to push it out, you're an inventor on steroids. And we've had some students like that. Um, so Eddie says the order is filed, is filled. So fantastic. So you're going to, if, if you're, I don't know what your licensing contract says, Eddie. If it says you get paid quarterly, you're going to get paid quarterly, you know. Um, uh, Okay, uh, Ninja Dojo, I've run through my hit list and have had no luck. Is it time to move on or should I make a video and go back through my list? Um, I don't know. I, I think he's saying maybe he used a sell sheet first time around. So my question is, Ninja Dojo, is have you been asking for feedback? And you have to realize you might ask for feedback only one in five companies will give it to you, but that can be very valuable. If you have 30 companies and you ask for feedback from everybody and only one in five give it to you, well, then six companies are giving you feedback. So is there something you can adjust? Is there something that you realize you're off on that was confusing people and you could reach back? And it's okay to do this. Reach back out and send it again. Say, you know, my marketing presentation was a little off. I've gotten some feedback. Can you take another? Can you take another thirty seconds to look at it again? So that might be one thing you can do. Um, another thing that I always tell people, you know, if, if you got a lot of non-specific notes, they can give you specifics. Don't throw it in the garbage can. Just put it in the closet for six months. Reach back all all the same companies and a few others, and you might just get lucky where that company before was a marketing manager and they were just busy. That marketing manager and they said, "Oh, not at this time. Not a right match." And you send it to them again. And next time, two weeks earlier, their boss said, we need new products. And now they're at, now they're showing interest. You're like, what the hell? It's like, it's just timing sometimes. So if you really believe in it, don't give up on it. Um, one way to keep yourself distracted, if you do believe it's time to put it in the closet for a bit, work on another project. Don't drive yourself. Don't get obsessed and just sit and think about it. Take, always take action. And so what drives inventors insane when they're new to licensing is you just keep thinking on it, thinking, on why, why, why? Keep yourself busy, work on another project, and then resend. So, um, but if you really believe in it, don't, don't kick it to the curb. Um, uh, let's see. We have two minutes left here. Uh, the overachiever. Hi, Andrew. What would I do if I have IP that I'm looking to get out there? Not a product, but a property. Well, IP is just sort for intellectual property, guys. So he probably means a patent. Um, not a not a product, but a property. I don't know. I would need more details on what that is, and don't publicly disclose anything in the chat, of course. Um, Uh, Raul says, speaking of royalties, when receiving a royalty check, is it through direct deposit or a physical check sent through the mail? Whatever you send up with them, whatever you set up, um, it could be either. I'd say direct deposit's easiest. That's something you would cover with their accounting department. Um, we don't typically, I don't recall really we cover that level of detail in a typical licensing contract. They just need to pay you. Um, so that's something you would you would talk to their accounting department. Either is fine. Uh, I would say direct deposit would be way easier. Um, uh, Philip says, hi, Andrew. I'm concerned I need to add my prototyper as a co-inventor. I paid him for his services. Should I also ask him to sign a maker prototyper agreement? So any prototyper, I would ask them to sign a non-disclosure agreement with an improvements clause. You don't really want to ask companies to do this usually because it's it's pretty egregious with a company, but with a prototype or every time. So what an improvements clause is, says any improvements they come up with that you own, any prototyper should be willing to sign that. Okay, so, um, you know, technically anybody that helped you and improved upon the invention, 
is a co-inventor. But if you get them to sign an NDA with an improvements clause saying you own any improvements, even if you list them as a co-inventor in your patent, they're, um, they don't own anything. So if you work for IBM and you're in the, the inventor at IBM and you came up with this, you're listed as an inventor, but you own nothing. And it would be the same thing with a prototyper that helped you come up with an improvement. Technically, you should be listing them as a co-inventor, but get them to sign an NDA with an improvements clause. And again, everything that I'm sharing tonight is not legal advice. Please seek the advice of an attorney if you're looking for, for legal advice, um, always. Um, so it's not something I, I would tell you, Philip, in 20 years we've been doing this, I've never had it be a problem where a student had a prototype or say, I own part of that. Well, I'm sure it's happened somewhere, someplace. Um, but have them sign an NDA with an improvements clause. Um, uh, okay, I think we came up. We're, we're past time. Uh, okay, I'm going to answer this one. Scott says, do companies ever want money from the inventors? No, a company should never be asking you to invest. And I've, I've noticed there's this new breed of invention promotion scam company that's out there. They pretend to be a company with products. And I, having done this for 20 years, I've, I've gone on some of these companies' sites and I've looked through it and they're like in every category. They're like in kitchen, they're in garden, they're this and I'm like, nobody's in this many categories. And they'll, they're, they're acting like as if they're a company and they'll say, oh, we want to license this from you, but we want $8,000 too because of this or that. It's ridiculous. So any company that you would license to, why would they ever ask you for money? What you're bringing to the table is your, your product and the benefits of your product. So um, so I hope you guys felt like this was helpful. I always enjoy doing these. Um, I'm going to do it again next Wednesday at 510 Pacific. And so I want to remind everybody to take care, keep inventing. And we'll catch you next time. See you guys. Bye.